My name is Vida, Sister Prince. Today is May 18, 1994, and I am interviewing Dorothy Strickler on her life for the Oral History Project Race and Memory in St. Louis. This is my independent study supported by the Missouri Historical Society. Dorothy Strickler was, is retired and was a teacher and an administrator in the public school systems in St. Louis. Again, from the beginning, and um, tell me about your, your family background. Like, well, I am an, an only child, uh -huh. an only grandchild on my father's side. And mother's family was very small, too. So I actually am the end of the line. I have one first cousin still living in Oklahoma City. My Aunt Emma's husband's family is still living over in Island, Illinois. And of course, I've sort of adopted them as actual cousins right. rather than, because Aunt Emma did raise Lloyd. Uh, Ancestry-wise? Um, My father was born in Germany. And he and his father came to this country when he was two years old. Where in Germany, do you know? Yes, it was near Hanover. It's a little town called Piekeberg. I've looked. I've located it on the map. It's just west of Hanover. Do you know why they came? No. Did anybody ever? Uh, did you you traveled? You told me that you you have not gone back to that? No, I have been close to it, but I was on a tour and uh, the train uh, went just south of Hanover. How did that feel? It was beautiful territory. Uh -huh. And so, of course, I know that my father's mother was buried over there. Now, whether or not there were any children other than my father, I don't know. My dad, uh, my grandfather did remarry after coming to this country and had one child, my father's half-sister, who has been dead for many years. So did his mother not come? Was she, she, she died. She had already died, and, and so your father, your grandfather brought your father by himself. By himself. That's right. What do you know? I mean, what was your father's name? William Behrens, B-E-H-R-E-N-S. Do you know the work that your grandfather He was did? a cabinet maker. He did uh, the installation of bank fixtures for many and many a year. As he became older, though, he went to work for the shops, St. Louis Public School, division of uh, maintenance and one of his major jobs there was the wooden portables that were built for our city schools were designed by my grandfather. Dorothy, that's incredible. And then his last few years... You mean the portables that they set up next to Soldan or to... Well, the, the, the only two that are still standing, and I know of, 
are behind the audio-visual building there at Grand and Teresa. But this is what I'm, am I on the right? Yes. Um, they were the wooden portables that had a little stove in them. And, go ahead. And uh, the, they were actually used there uh, in, in connection with uh, classes from Wyman at one time, those that are behind audiovisual. They were just one room, uh, frame buildings, windows on two sides, and uh, a little potbelly stove that provided the heat in the wintertime. Um, what went in that stove? Wood, coal, what? I really don't know. Okay. Um, were I, they all the same size, Dorothy? Mm -hmm. So how many students could they? Well, they could have held 50, 50 to 60 children um, because when I started, classes were in the 50s when I started in the city school system. My first class was 56, third graders. Um, well, we're going to hold off on that because we're going to get into that. I wanted to ask, um, did your grandfather and father come directly to St. Louis? Yes, okay. yes. Uh, some of my grandfather's family were already here. Uh, on your mother's side? Mother, mother had two brothers and two sisters. Uh, only one had children. And they were in Oklahoma City. Uh, her brothers, one married, one didn't. Um, her one sister had a child who didn't live very long. I mean, she was spastic and didn't live very long. So, I mean, we really can't count her as a part of our family anymore. What, uh, but, where, what was the ancestry of your mother? My mother's mother was McKnight. I mean, and uh, she claimed to be Scotch-Irish in ancestry. I have a four-generation picture in my bedroom. Picture. It was taken when I was one year old. And that is my, mo my mother and my father. My mother's father, her mother, my mother's father, and he's holding me. It was a family group picture that I had the rest of the family taken off and just preserved my family. Yes, mother was beautiful. Beautiful person. I was less than a year, probably. Yes. Uh, so, so they claim to be Scotch Irish. Uh, grandmother, and her father. Uh -huh. Their name was McKnight. Um, well, 
actually, when you said claimed, I didn't know if that had any connotation to I it. don't know. I mean, that's... That's what they said. Yeah. They, yeah. Um, that was the ancestry they were given. They used when they, but my father, of course, actually coming from Germany, was German. Um, and mother's father was mostly German. Gotthelf was his his name, G O W T H E L F. Oh, your mother's father. father. So I, my, my. It's mostly German. Um, well, if I ask you to identify yourself, you know, um, as to what you feel, um, if you had to put something down on a on a particular form or something, how would you identify yourself? Well, as as an educator, and I've done. I've spent my life, I guess, trying to improve education and a lot of educators. And I started in the 40s in teacher organizational work. And I'm just now lessening my load. I have almost two years still to serve on the Board of Trustees of our retirement system. What, we did not get your date of birth. What was that? October 17, 1912. 1912. Um, so I'm past 81. Past 81. Dorothy, in an ethnic sense, how would you identify yourself? Well, uh, belong to the Presbyterian Church. Uh, Bob and I were married in Second Presbyterian Church. Uh, I mean, my background, of course, is mostly German. He was Strickler, of course, was, although he considered himself more Swiss than German, but. I think I have tried to help people, for instance, here at Heritage House, I've served on the Board of Directors up until last month. Um, where, where were you born? On West Pine, 3714 West Pine. At home? Was it a doctor or a Oh, yes. Yes. I don't remember his name, though. I did know it one time. I, but uh, I was delivered at home. It was at a time when there had been some mixed up babies at a hospital, and my mother refused to go. So I was born at home. She knew she was getting a good thing, and she wanted to keep it and be sure. She and, had and it was 3714 West Pine. It's one of the first buildings that St. Nojou tore down for their then uh, gym and swimming pool. And, of course, that has been replaced by something even bigger. So, right. did, you, um, did you live there for a while? 
Um, we moved from there when I was about age five, and we moved over at, to uh, a building right across from the Beaumont building, uh, a big, big house. Uh, my mother's one brother made his living by running boarding houses, and we always lived with Uncle Bob, and and he rented the house at 3719 Washington, which is no longer either. And he ran a big boarding house. And we were there until I was about, I guess it was close to 10, when he rented the building that's on the corner of Taylor and It's right in the Central West End area now. Uh, I don't know whether it's still being operated as as a hotel. It's right across the street from Balaban's. And we lived there for a number of years. And then uh, mother and dad and Uncle Bob and my Aunt Emma was then widowed. And so she came to live with us and we rented an apartment near Union on Del Mar. And that building is no longer standing either. And we lived there for a number of years. Then, then we bought a, one of the big homes on Raymond. This is always uh, the... Um, Fa a whole family. A whole family in rooming houses. Okay. No, it was no longer, when we went into the apartment, it was no longer a rooming okay. house. I mean, it was just family. Okay. My, my grandmother and grandfather lived with us. And grandmother did all, did the cooking, and uh, my mother was employed. For instance, when we were on, uh, in the, what was at that time, the, we called it the old hotel, uh, mother worked for a laundry in the office. But she could see that, and my father was working in a shoe plant not uh, were not making shoes. He was a leather sorter. He could tell by the feel of a piece of leather whether this could be tucked or used for lady shoes. Mm -hmm. And uh, do, you, do you remember the name of it? The shoe wick for brown shoe company. Brown. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was in the in the leather room. But then they went into business in 1918. Mother and Dad uh, had a grocery store at the corner of Taylor and Enright. And because uh, I was getting, I was not able to do anything in the beginning, but as I got older, I did spend some of my Saturdays working there in the store. And uh, Mother's brother, also had a store, and uh, but he retired long before the folks did, and so sometimes I spent my weekend, my Saturdays with with him, but I was with family. So your your mother and father worked long hours. Oh yes, oh yes, often on Sundays even. Mm -hmm. And I I became very independent individual. I. She, mother would send me downtown 
for things. Bought my own clothes as early as age 10. By, by yourself downtown at age 10? Oh, yes. On the streetcar? On the streetcar. Because the gro our grocery store was just was there at, at Taylor and Enright, and the Hodemont car was just a half a block from the store, and I would always get up and go to the store, and then somebody would take me home from there, because we were living on Raymond at that time, um, and lived there in two different houses on Raymond for a long time. Where's Raymond, Dorothy? Uh, just north of Cabinet. Right by the Cabney Library. Oh, okay. That's where we lived. Um, so you go down Saturday, probably. Yes, Saturday. yes. Well, Mother would take time to go down with me and establish a relationship with a salesperson where I would then go down and the salesperson knew pretty much what my mother wanted me to have, and it was always charged, and if it didn't meet with mother's approval, it went back. It went back. Well, what store was this? Famous. Famous bar. Did she, oh, it was charged. Um, and then you, you brought the, the dresses home or uh -huh. whatever it was. Uh -huh. um, did she make out a list, or, or did she...? No, it was just when I needed something, because uh, I knew pretty much what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've so. been an independent person all my life. That's, that's, did you, did, you must have developed your own rapport with that sales lady. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I still remember her name. Miss Miss Davenport was she was the person who took care of me. And what about shoes? Oh my father knew shoes and uh I I had to have good shoes. And very very early in my life when I started to work in the schools, he saw to it that I got orthopedic shoes to wear and I've worn them ever since. Um, is there a particular reason that you know that why your mother chose Famous and Bar? Other than that she probably liked the attitude of the sales lady so much and that she knew that she would take good care of me and not sell me something that wasn't going to be durable. I mean, we were uh, we were never wealthy. Did you feel, Dorothy, that you had um, the things that you needed? Oh, always. I I know that everyone said that when I was born, my mother handmade all of my clothes out of what was considered very expensive material. And they said they they hoped that I l lived to see that all the way through my life, being as well cared for as my mother started out. That's a nice thing to say. Um, I hope that that did happen. 
It has. Yes, I was. Yes, I—I um, I mean, they lived with us uh, when we were in our first house on Raymond. But then, when Aunt Emma and Uncle Fred moved out to the county, Grandmother sort of thought she'd like to live outside the city, so she went with them but grandfather wouldn't go so grandfather stayed with us and they were married grandma and grandpa <laughs> oh that's cute <laughs> so that i mean that happens I mean, where was the county uh time? they lived in out in um the area right at umsel what's umsel now I've forgotten what it was called then, Normandy Country Club or something. Yes, I think so. Um, all right. Uh, what kind of um, things did you and Grandma talk about? Or Grandpa, rather? Uh, grandfather and I were never too close. Um, we would go walking, but... Uh, that's about all. Um, he was not a card player like my grandfather, Barons. See, I often stayed with Grandma and Grandpa Barons and my Aunt Frida, and the four of us always played cards. Where did they live? Um, in Wellston for a while, and then moved to an area that is absolutely unbelievable now up on Emerson, north, way north, I think, that's up near the cemeteries. Belmont yeah, and, uh, yeah that area. But, but my mother and dad and I went every single Sunday mm -hmm. to Grandpa's. Neighborhoods change. Grandmother was no longer living. Toward the end there, aunt, my aunt Frida took care of him. That was my father's half-sister. And then after grandfather died, she moved to California, and uh, she didn't live very long. But we don't know too much about, I mean, she was not one that would correspond. Um, tell me about uh, school, what schools you attended. Well, my elementary schooling was in private school. I was in Principia. Uh, my Uncle Bob uh, realized that I had a health problem. I was an asthmatic child and that I would have difficulty keeping up with the large classes in the public schools. So I went to Principia for my elementary school and for my first two years of high school and then transferred into Soldan and went two years to Soldan and then Harris Teachers College and I have my master's from Washington U. You told me that um, 
went to Soldan because you wanted to get in, in into Harris. Harris. And that that was it was at that time it was very difficult to get into Harris if you weren't a public school graduate. So it was nineteen thirty. It was easier to get in from Soldan than it would have been from a private school. Oh, definitely. Can you talk to me about that? I don't know why, but that was true. That was. That was the way things functioned. And anybody coming with a degree from the outside could not teach in the St. Louis Public Schools without going to Harris. Yeah, you, you mentioned that on the phone, and I repeated that to someone who knows a lot about St. Louis history the other day, and, and she said, no, I never knew that. Because, I, I mean, in my class, uh -huh. there were two people who had degrees, one from school in Michigan, and one, I don't remember where her degree was from, but they both went, they both were in my senior class at Harris. Went, went for a year in order to get into St. Louis Public Schools. Let's, let's stay back with your schools for the moment. Um, where, uh, where did you go, you went to Principia, Principia has a, it's a, um, Christian Science Christian School. Science. My parents were not Christian Science, but my uncle was. And at that time, that was all that was necessary. Uncle Bob was a Christian Scientist. My grandmother was a Christian Scientist. Uncle Bob had a lot to do with what happened to you. Today. That's right. How did, how did that come about? Well, we lived. I mean, he, I mean we, he lived. He and my mother were in business together. They did everything together, so naturally. Uncle Bob, oh, he was in the grocery store? Too. And the grocery store. Oh, I see. So it was just a family? Was it a happy family? Oh, very. Oh, yes, yes. The only person in the family that created any problems was my Aunt Emma's second husband. Uh, he was not a person whose record was too honest. I mean, he liked to borrow and not repay. I see. If I were to ask you about class, you know, um, where do you think you would have fallen as far as uh, upper, upper, middle? When I, well, when I graduated from Harris, which I think is, I was third, I mean, in the upper third of my class. No, I meant class as a society. Oh, just average. Just average. Yes, we never had a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, in fact, we didn't, my mother and dad and I didn't even have a car until about 1930. You know, when you say, when you talk about class, you know, there's class, like I talked about, and then there's that other kind. There's kind of what you thought about yourself, that kind of class of sense of self, I suppose. Well, I think that uh, I have always been taught to do my best and never be satisfied with less than that. And that sometimes has gotten me 
into physical problems because I have tried too hard to do things. Physical problems. Mm -hmm. Yes. I. That's, I mean, one of the reasons I probably won't be able to drive too much longer is that my right leg is not functioning quite the way it should. So you overdo. Mm -hmm. <sighs> um, that's hard when you have to give something up that is independent, means independence. But, um, uh, all right, where did you, so after, did you like Principia? Yes, I was very happy, very happy. Um, see, the classes were so small, and my, when I was, say, out for two or three days each time that I had an asthmatic attack, uh, there was no problem in catching up. Where in the public schools with the classes, the classes were then all 50, I would have had a horrible problem. Yeah. Did it matter at Principia that you weren't in Christian Science? No. There were other people that I think I think at that time that there might have been other children who were not attending Christian Science Sunday School. Now you were Presbyterian. I, and I, um, I, my parents were Methodist, but I preferred the Presbyterian Church. I made my choice there. Did, was your husband Presbyterian? Mm -hmm. um, were there language, any kind of language uh, from the old country? Is oh, no, no. Oh, well, now my grandfather on my father's side, Grandfather Barons, uh, did like for us to ask for food at the table in German. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I had a little less problem with the German menu when I, went, when I yeah. took my first trip to Germany. Why do you think he did that? Did it make him feel he was I think, young again? Or well, I think that he just felt that that was living up to his heritage. Oh. And I did take German at Solden. I didn't. I didn't like it, though. I much preferred my Latin and my French. Well, how about uh, customs? Or was there anything like that, that besides the? Did it come into Christmas, or did it come into any holidays? Uh, ties with with Germany, Germany, or something? Oh no, no, no. Um, no. So, when when people like we're talking now, you don't do you consider yourself a, a part of any ethnic uh, background or group of people? No, no, no. I mean, I just often speak of my. The only time I ever get really angry, I say, "Well, the German blood and the Scotch Irish blood is." <laughs> Clashing. Clashing, but that's the only time. I mean, other than that, having been raised entirely in St. Louis. About Singapore, I said, 
if we came anywhere near enforcing the rules like they do in Singapore, we wouldn't have the kind of society that we have. Uh, it is the cleanest city I have ever been in because they enforce the rule that if you drop a piece of paper, in their money, it's a $500 fine, which was at that time 250 in our money. And we had a member of our tour group who liked to drop his cigarettes. And he didn't get caught, but I was hopeful he would. <laughs> I think it would have shown him that that when we're in other other countries, we must obey their laws. Do you think that we should adopt something like what they do? Not necessarily, but I think we should enforce the rules that we do have on the books. Uh, are you thinking of some in particular? Well, I, the thing that, that goes through my mind now is somehow or other, we've got to get control of the gun situation. Our night doorman was telling me that everything on Grand Avenue, from Sears South, is that whole block is going to be vacant very shortly because of the armed robberies that have taken place in the last month. So people are just leaving those places? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know whether that had anything to do with Sears leaving that location or not. I know I wouldn't park my car on that lot again because I know I had my the emblem stolen from the front of my car. Which the last time. Uh, South Grand. South, South Grand Sears. South but that uh, this I mean, I'm very concerned and that's one of the reasons I like living here is that we do have twenty four hour protection on that front door and the back door you can only come in with a key. hardly knew our neighbors. I mean, um, well see, on Raymond, we had the last house on the south side of the street. The lady to the east of us was running a rooming house. I mean, and there were no children. And see, my first two years, well, most of the time that 
we lived there, I was going to Principia, so there were no children in the neighborhood that I was associated with. But when I went to Seoul then, uh, I would meet children up at the Gavney Library. I mean, Gavney Library was right there and made good use of that. But I, uh, as a child, I, I had very few children to play with. It was a day school. I mean, I could walk from Raymond. You see, I could walk. Yes. I mean, it was at Page and Belt at that time, and we were at Union. I mean, it was two blocks over to Page and two blocks west. It was only about a four block walk. Yes, there was a, uh, at one time, there was one playmate that lived across the street, and, and we, we played together a little bit. Margaret was her first name, but I, I don't, I mean, I, when we moved, I didn't follow through with her. Margaret Wittick of Wittick Florist was a person who lived in our boarding house when we lived there at the corner of Euclid and McPherson. And Margaret Whittick and I uh, were friends and played together for quite some time. All right, so we've got you. Uh, when did you decide you wanted to be a teacher? Uh, my mother's the person who stood up with my mother said, Dorothy has to be a teacher. <laughs> And so my mother carried through on Winnie's advice, and I've never regretted one minute having gone to Harris. The Depression forced me to Harris. There was no money to have sent me anywhere else to school. Because, um. see, I finished uh, high school in 1930, and uh, the bank had closed in 29, and there was no way I could have gone to, away to college. What did Harris cost? Nothing. Oh, I didn't know that. It was absolutely a free teacher training institution. We did not pay for our books or anything. And so naturally, when you don't have the money to do otherwise. But it, it uh, as Candace, who lives here, she and I were in college together. And we both say that we benefited by being forced to have to go to Harris. Yeah. It sounds, from what I'm going to get from you, that others benefited by your doing that. Um, well. Um, so, talk about um, maybe a little bit about Harris and then what happened to you afterwards. And well, at Harris, of course, I decided I w wanted to be a chemistry major, but at that time it was not a field open to women. And so the person who was the head of the science department said, 
you are such a good math student, why don't you take that route instead? And so I did. And I haven't regretted it, other than that if I had stayed with my chemistry, I think uh, there might have been things open up for women. That's, that's the only thing I think back. But actually, uh, my math gave me an opportunity to have a feeling of security in that if I didn't like teaching, I could go into an insurance company as an actuary. And so I did have that alternate route, and that made me very happy. So that uh, uh, I don't regret. I did get a chemistry minor because I, uh, I had taken so many things in high school that gave me some entrance credit to Harris that uh, I, did, I had to earn my 130 hours in order to get my A.B. But so you graduated from Harris in January of 34. And I did my apprenticeship from then till June so that I was then ready for a position in September of 34, but none was available, and I went to work for the St. Louis Relief Administration doing statistical work and held that at $75 a month until, uh, well, I had to come back, let's see, I guess I did that for over two years because the substitute list was 300 long. My goodness. Where did you apprentice? Emerson on page. We lived on Raymond. I apprenticed at Emerson. Oh, it was lovely. I kept up with one of the primary teachers for years. They just made this. Uh huh. Yeah, those are just out of the oven. Oh, thank you, Dorothy. That was thoughtful of you. Well, this is a person. Uh, when we lived on Fleur Place. For the sake of the tape, there was a knock on the door and, um, and, and somebody brought Dorothy's homemade cookies, which I'm eating and enjoying. <laughs> well, we lived next door to each other on Flora Place, because we were there, oh, close to 17 years. Then I moved from there here, when it was just my mother and me. My husband had died and my father had died. So you moved here with your mother? My mother was living when I moved here. Yes. She didn't die till 70. That's fortunate for you, didn't That's right. And that was, that was when I started my foreign travel. Up until then, I was always within the United States. Did your mother go with you? Many times she went with me up until. So you like you like uh, you like teaching? Oh, I loved it. Right. So after the relief, uh, when you worked at the Relief Association, what was the Relief Association? It was called St. Louis Relief Administration. It was. Uh, um, I didn't. I mean, I wasn't a caseworker. It was. 
a social service um, type of welfare. What I was doing was researching what kind of insurance those families were carrying because in many cases they had bought a very expensive kind of insurance that some money could be released to them to help them out and they could carry uh, in other words endowment insurance is expensive whole life insurance is not nearly as expensive and so that we had a, a real program going of transferring their insurance and releasing cash money to those families. Um, this but, was a, a city government. Uh, mm -hmm. Yes, I was officed on North Grand, up near the water tower. So it's public. Mm -hmm. Oh yes, it was. Was this uh, a strictly white? I really don't remember. I really don't remember. I guess things would have still been segregated at that time because, see, that would be back in the 30s. Because I came back, I start, I, uh, I worked in our schools finally as a permanent sub in 30 seven and thirty-eight. So it was prior to that. So I don't know. So you got through that list of three hundred people? Mm-hmm. How did you do that? Well, I mean, through. Did they work through three hundred people? Mm-hmm. Evidently. Well, I think what happened is that some of those people uh, went into other kinds of work. I think they just gave up. I don't think they all ever went into teaching. Uh, Dorothy, um, so where did you substitute? Well, uh, my first substitute job was back at Emerson, <laughs> which was lovely. Uh, was uh, Emerson, and I did some at Walbridge and some at Long. And then I was assigned to Clay School, which is right up near the McKinley Bridge. And uh, that's where I got my appointment in, uh, at, at 39. Clay. Tell me what schools were like there, Dorothy. Well, my description is the roof was on. We had discipline. We, we, had, we had fun, but we did not have what is prevalent in too many schools today. I mean, uh, too many teachers spend too much time being a policeman instead of a teacher. What did you all do? Tell me about a day at, at Clay School. What, what, what were the students taking? And, and what well, I was, I was in the primary. I was a primary teacher at Clay. Okay. I was uh, either second or third grade is all I ever had at Clay so that it was, I mean, I taught everything, including art, music. We didn't even have extra phys ed people then. We did everything. And at the end of the year of the second or third grade, what did you want those children to have learned by the 
second and third grade. We wanted them to have, we had a, a, a list of competencies that they should have reached in arithmetic and in reading especially and in spelling. Those were the things that determined whether or not they were ready to go on. And we did do a system of, teach, of testing. I don't remember what tests we used, but that's too long ago. And, those, and whatever we used may not even be in print now. Well, I think children did not object to being told. I think they, res they expected to be told. And, and we had no problems with children lining up to come into a building rather than, the, I mean, it, and even at Chojo, after integration, I had no problems. Uh, black boys like to wear their hats in the building. And so I stood at the line where the boys came in. And when they saw me there, they knew they took the cap off. If they didn't, I did. I mean, it was it's a value that I think they had not been taught. Quite a while. No, that no. From Clay, I went to Hodgin, and I and I had the upper uh, seventh and eighth grade math and science at Hodgin. What years are we now? Um, let's see, forty. Oh, I did have an experience with with the government. Um, I taught radio construction over at Scott Field for two years. And, but that swing shift didn't do anything for my health. And I was, well, down to about my present weight, which was down considerably from what it had been at that time. Did you get married at this time? No. No, I didn't get married oh, until that's six. Right, you couldn't be a oh, no. teacher in those days and mm. be married. No. Okay. Um, mm -mm. So when did you do this with the government? It was about 90, uh, 43 to 45. It does. Mm -hmm. It was during the war. Um, because I was given credit for that time as far as um, my pension is concerned. How did, did World War II affect you in any particular way? I got to teach for a year at Harris, <laughs> teach math, because I then had my master's, and they were pulling the fellows out, you know, so rapidly that I was over there for a year, which was an, another nice experience. So I can say I've taught everything from kindergarten through college. Did 
some people did have some difficulties. I know they did, but uh, um, I don't feel that there was any. No, no, no. I mean, I, I've had a variety of teaching experiences, I mean. Which did you like the best? Well, I enjoyed my two years when I was National Secretary of the Department of Classroom Teachers. Mr. Hickey put me in the reading clinic for a year and then gave me a special assignment to do whatever Dr. Kottmeyer wanted me to do. And so I did some experimental teaching, uh, taking some children from Wyman in the primary and uh, doing some experimental teaching. That, that was really wonderful. Two questions. First, where is Wyman? Wyman is um, the school up toward Grand and Park. Elementary school. Elementary school. And, and, and I, I was working with first graders just doing Things that Dr. Kottmeyer wanted some statistics on. And what, was, what was it? It was uh, whether you could teach children to read without even using a reader. We manufactured our own materials and used them. And I had, uh, of course, I only had 10 to 12 children at a time. We had some of them who came in on the test third grade level after our working with them for six months. Were these hand-picked children or were these children that were having troubles with reading? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But had normal ability. And the room of 20 was, I don't know why I ever left that. Uh, there were three of us who had the first rooms of 20 where these were children who were behind at the end of grade three. They should have been ready for grade four. They had normal or above normal ability, and they weren't ready. And we put 20 of them in a group and called it Room of 20. And he helped us pick the materials to use in that setup. And then for that, following summer, the three of us worked to pick materials because it was expanded to about ten other schools. So it was a good thing. Oh, it was, it was tremendous. Very tremendous. I had a dwarf child physically, but not mentally. And I tell you, she made my records look really good because her physical makeup had put her in a shell and I worked with the parents and, and we got her a desk so that she could stand part of the time and not be any higher than the other children when she stood and then he fixed a, a stool that a bench almost but she could lift it and take it to the chalkboard and write on the chalkboard, which she'd never been able to do before. He being Mr. Cutler? No, no. 
the father of this child. The father of, what, what kind of, um, what did Mr. Cutler have to do with this? He was in charge of, yeah. of the materials. He had nothing he, to do with the picking. He was hands-on, he didn't know about this child. He, no, he, he had nothing to do with the picking of the children, other than the, that they had to meet the qualifications. And since I was right there at the reading clinic, the, see, the, uh, these children came to me over in the reading clinic building. She came to you. Mm -hmm. You changed your life. I did. Did you follow her after that? Uh, I followed her for a long time. I was very unhappy that her parents didn't follow through and get her a job as a court stenographer because she was an excellent writer. But instead, they enrolled her in Harris Ditcher's College. And she finished, but she's never been called. And I mean, there's no place in a school to use a person with that limitations, because she can't write on a blackboard. Yeah. They set her up for being, whereas a stenographer. A court stenographer is where she belonged, and uh, I don't have the contact with the church where I know she belongs over Chaw Methodist, but I just don't have the contact with that family anymore. I've, I mean, it's been so long. And, and she's developing so many physical problems. That, but the, naturally, when you can't work and do something where you can see you're making headway with what you're doing, uh, you're unhappy. I would be unhappy if I didn't see some progress in something every day. Uh, all right, so um, we've got you. Uh, we've got you. Uh, where are we, <laughs> Dorothy? You've done so many things. Well, I mean, I've had a variety of school experiences. Let me turn this, off for this is the end of the first interview with uh, Dorothy Strickler, and um, the second interview uh, is not on this tape. It's on the uh, tape two, and there are two tapes to this interview. The remainder of this tape is blank.